Okay, well, great. You know, here is a uh, remedy. I'm always trying to get people to sit up front and to the center. We will have children every Sunday. (laughs) How's that? What a great morning, huh? It's all the range of ways to worship God and to do that over these last few weeks. It's such a great thing. Did you ever lose your joy during the Christmas season, though? You know, where you just, you're in those moments and the circumstances, the things that are going on, the pressures, the tensity, everything, and and the joy's gone. Well, I, I want to try as best I can a bit this morning, help you find that joy again. And, and maybe not have a joy that's just fleeting or here in the moment, but actually is a sustaining, abiding kind of joy. There's all kinds of things that bring joy in this season. Things that will, in a moment, move us to a place of joy, whether it's songs like this. Uh, for some, it's family. Just families coming together. How fun it is to have kids home from college, right? Or you ha- Yes. A family who's returning because they have moved somewhere and they're working there and they're coming with their little kids. and Or parents who are coming to join you in your home. Christmas parties. Eh. Um, Festive Christmas decorations, potential of hard-earned bonuses coming your way. Festive songs, songs that, that ring of, of, uh, with memories and they bring a smile. Traditions, little traditions, like we have one of those in our home, and I'm going to ask you to stand and do it with me. Okay, so I need you to stand. This is an audience participation. You have to put one hand in the air like this, one hand like this. You can put your thumbs up because... We will have our family come together and we'll have 15 to 20 or so in our home and we will turn on this little guy and you don't even have to move your feet. Ready? Okay, just move like that. Okay, everybody keep your hand. We do it for about three minutes. And everyone is looking at you to see some of you already stopped. Okay. You can be seated. Anyway, <clears throat> I don't know what your traditions are, but you know, one of the great things, especially as you start having little kids in your home, you go through this period sometimes where you have little kids and all of a sudden they're not around and all of a sudden you have the first little grandchild, next grandchild, and, and it's all the presents. Watching the kids open presents. I remember our little uh, nephew at one point years ago, he'd get a present and he'd go, dog, you rip, and he'd just rip that thing to pieces. He didn't care about taking that off well, but... Those things bring joy. But they're kind of like toys, like kids get. You know how they get them and then they enjoy them for a moment and then before you know it, they'd rather be playing with the box than the toy itself, that kind of thing. And and holidays uh, are kind of like that. There's a little bit of a buzz that we get and, and we're in that moment and then the slightest things can change it and we can be in a place where we lose our joy. Or you're in a place or you've come into this holiday, like we said last week, and, and the light flashes on the, the sense of loss or lack or whatever's going on in your life, and you look at it comparatively to this season of joy, and you experience a sense of sorrow. So as I thought of this idea of retro Christmas, I marvel in a sense at how um, in some of the worst situations when you read the Word of God around Christmas, there was joy. 
In places where you would think maybe there wasn't, I think even as you think of the first Christmas with Mary, she's given this announcement and she's filled with joy. But then she has to tell Joseph and, and then she has to start having and showing this child in the community that she's raised. And, and even if she was married soon after that and she's showing, people are beginning to look and wonder. And Joseph, who finds out about it, he begins to, and right away, instead of hearing about this from Mary, I think he is, as scripture says, he was a kind and righteous person. He prayed and he finally resolved what he would do. And then he made that resolution that he would just um, divorce her or, you know, get unengaged in a way that would not bring pain to her. And then he has a dream. The angel says, no, take Mary home. And then he enters into this joy mixed with a sense of fear and sorrow and whatever else. So as you go retro Christmas, and the whole idea of this is, you know, you think of throwback Thursday, flashback Friday. We're looking at going back at Christmas. And we've been looking at the last few weeks of trying to keep Christmas simple. Um, trying to stick to the main point of the story. And if you're going to go back to Christmas, you have to go back and find the joy. And the joy that's not necessarily in songs and carols and, and even traditions and some memories and, and, and just even family coming home. Because what if those things don't occur? What if those things aren't in the forefront? How do you live with the joy that's based not on some gifts or parties or even the presence of family. So retro Christmas, as I was thinking about it, it was, you know, let's go back, maybe not even to the first Christmas, but when the Christmas was kind of announced. And we looked at Micah, we looked at Isaiah, we're going to look at Isaiah again this week, where you go back and, and here is Isaiah before Christmas has occurred, and he's in a time when things are a mess, and Samaria is starting to kind of travel through the northern kingdom, and, 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 and this southern kingdom of Judah is now under the threat of not only this enemy, but the northern kingdom and some other external kingdoms right around them, and, and they're in this place. It's 701 years before the coming of Jesus, you know, count from B.C. back, 7, 600, 500. 400 to go like that to the birth of Christ and 700 years before that as this is happening God comes to Isaiah and Isaiah comes to this king Ahaz and Ahaz is not a really good guy he's he's really out for himself he's thinking about what he wants for himself but God is so incredibly gracious he comes to us to people who are who are into ourselves and into our own stuff and and not giving God much regard in fact even through our life hurting people and 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 Living in ways that the word of God says is just sinful. And he comes to to Isaiah, God does, and through Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, Ahaz, I'm here for you. In fact, so much so that I'm going to give you a word. I'll give you a sign, whether it's in the highest height or the deepest depths. I want to give you something that you can kind of bank on, that I am with you, and I want you to trust, and I'm going to take care of you. I don't want you to have to worry. I I want you to know that I am with you, and I am for you. And in your darkness, he is basically saying to you and me, if you trust me, there will be joy, an abiding, sustaining joy based on two things that never change. My promises, my word, and my person, my very character. And I want you to live in the truth of that. So listen to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7, this Christmas passage. 
The people who walk in darkness shall see a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For the nation will again be great, filled with joy, like that of reapers when the harvest time has come. And like that of men dividing up the plunder they have won. For God will break the chains that bind his people and the whip that scourges them. Just as he did when he destroyed the vast host of the Midianites by Gideon's little band, that little band of 300. In that glorious day of peace, there will no longer be the issuing of battle gear, no more bloodstained uniforms of war. All such will be burned. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and these will be his royal titles. Say them with me. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end. He will rule with perfect fairness and justice from the throne of his father David. He will bring true justice and peace to all the nations of the world. And the zeal, listen to this, the zeal of the Lord, the God of the heaven armies, will do all this. So the first thing I just want you to contemplate this morning as we think of this Christmas going retro Christmas, thinking back about Isaiah and this Ahaz, is, is what he was calling him to do is find your joy, believe what God has promised. Things may be dark, but I want you to know a light is coming. Your world may be ruled by self-centered, self-indulgent people. You may be surrounded by some very, very threatening things in your own life. But what I want you to know is a child is coming, a son is given, and in him he will rule. Not only this world to come, but he will rule in your hearts and you can know joy because of the word that is coming through the son in this child. And this child is the future ruler, and we talked about it, wonderful counselor. You'll find in him, here's the word that's true about him. His wisdom and his vice will always be setting you in the right direction as you walk with him. He is a mighty God. Nothing will stand against him. No will will oppose his will. He's the everlasting father, as even as good as your own heavenly father is or was. He will never match his care. Prince of peace, not some claim of of, of a calm or an absence of even stress. He's saying in the midst of that stress, you will know wholeness, you'll know peace both within and without if you trust in my word, in my promise. So believe what God has promised because God, God just doesn't lie. He just never breaks a promise. I don't know what the promise is in your own heart or life that you're kind of in, the situation you're in, the circumstances it may be. You may be feeling guilt from the sin of your own, of your own, of your own heart. You may experience that and, and, and the promise is that you're forgiven in what Jesus does. It's his word. You may be in a position where you're not only experiencing that, that kind of sense of guilt, but you have experienced consequences that have been, that have been painful, and, and they've taught you, hopefully, and you're in a place, and, and God's saying, now as you follow me, no, you can trust me. My word is to take care of you. You may be in a situation where, I know there's some among us who, who, who's, who are looking for jobs, or looking for employment, or they're looking for a change in employment because of the situation they're in. And, and you're thinking, I need God for you to provide. And God says, just trust my promise. 
I want you to trust that I will take care of you. I promise I will forgive you. I will be with you in the pain of these consequences. In fact, we'll begin to lead you in ways. And if you want wisdom, he says, I promise I'll give you wisdom, whether it's a wisdom around a relationship where you're struggling in a relationship with, with um, someone that you deeply love or you're thinking about parents and family to come. He promises that in these situations, whatever is going on, He'll give you wisdom. He says, trust in him. It says in the word of God, trust in the Lord with all your own heart. Lean not in your understanding, but in all your ways is the promise. Acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. He'll guide you. He'll lead you because God keeps his word. His promises are always true and they are reliable. And you may be wondering, like they were wondering as they were looking at the situation, the Syrians and all the stuff around them, how in the world is going to happen? And I love what God says. You know so cool? God so often doesn't tell us exactly how he's going to do it. He just says, just trust me, I will do it. If you go through this whole passage of scripture, you get to the very last part of that verse in verse 7. And he says, the zeal of the Lord, the God of the heaven armies will do all this. God will fulfill his promise. His zeal in, in all his energy, if necessary, he will bring it to be employed upon that specific situation For your sake. And what I want you to remember is that is the promise of Christmas. That is the promise you can abide in. You can know joy because in a sense you choose joy. Not because it's some circumstance or something out here, but because of what God has said in his word, his promise to you. Now, I don't say that lightly. This has been one of the biggest areas of growth in my own heart and life. So often people say choose joy. It's not saying choose an emotion of joy. The joy is always a byproduct of what you're choosing to put your trust in. Right? And if you're just trying to choose an emotion, I didn't get that. That didn't make sense to me until I began to realize it's not that. You're choosing to trust this God who says, I promise, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to be with you. And you may not feel it right now. But I want you to know that you can have a sustaining, not happiness, but a joy in the, in the reality and truth that I am with you right now, whatever you're facing in your life. People in Isaiah's days said, how? And he says, I will do it. Nothing will stop me. Think about it. He will bring his son to earth. And in his son, he will cause him to be raised to a point where all people will watch and see that God's at work in him. And at a certain point, he will actually die on a cross for the sins of the people of the world. And he will take this world that's been spinning out of control and begin to spin it back into control. This is your God and his zeal does it. And sometimes he gives us glimmers, but he does say this thing. Trust me, my word. We forget, when I read this scripture, we forget and kind of you can run by quickly. This prophecy is a promise of God to a people. We so often individualize things, but God is speaking to a people. So often he's speaking to even families and groups of people. And he's speaking to Israel and he's saying, 700 years before the event takes place, he gives them a promise. I was reading the other day in came across this little pamphlet and in the pamphlet they 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 refer to a guy named peter stoner who has written a book um called um science let me just see real quick again science speaks written out of moody press and he asked this question he says what's the chances of all these prophecies said some 700 years before the coming of christ what's what's the chance of them being true 
what, what's the chance of the promise of God being true in your life? Just one. But let's go back to the promises of, of, of God to these people about a son. All the, you know, there's 456 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament that were to be fulfilled in one person. And as, as, as Peter Stoner was working through this, he, he was sharing that one of the most common objections people have about these prophetic statements, these promises of God that have become fulfilled in this one person, Jesus, throughout his life, the most common response is, well, um, it's, it's just chance. You know, it's just one of those things that by chance that it came to happen. And so he thought, okay, let's look at it. He's a science and mathematics professor. And, and so Peter Stoner, this science prof- mathematics professor, used this idea of reasonable, pro- reasonable probability. Let's just find the reasonable probability of these being told here, there being fulfilled in one person. And he said, let's not even use 456. Let's just use eight of them being fulfilled in the life of this one person. And so he was doing the work on it, and he, and he realized that just eight of these 456 prophecies fulfilled in the life of one person, the chance of that happening is one in one with 17 zeros. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Some of you mathematicians could tell me it's like one gazillion or a billion or whatever. But he goes, he says, take those, those one with the 17 zeros, and, and let's just get a silver coin. You get it, just like a little silver dollar or something like that. And, and you take all those silver coins and you spread them all over the state of Texas. Because they would fill the state of Texas. And he goes, so you fill these all over. You cover it two feet deep. That's how it would be with all those coins. And then what I want you to do is just mark one of those coins. And then he says, blindfold a man and have him pick up only one silver dollar and hope it's the right one. What do you think the chance is that that person will pick up one silver dollar in the midst of those one and seventeen zero coins that have been stirred and mixed around? That's, he says, what it is. That's the chance of just eight, just eight promises being fulfilled in one person. And the word of God says there's 456. And I thought about that. If God has made a promise in his word, he will keep it. He will keep it. If you think your sin is too great, you think you could not be forgiven, that's crazy talk from the devil. If this God can do one in 17 zeros, and that's just eight, he promises to send someone who will actually come to die for you, to save you, to walk with you, to bring you into fellowship with him so that you can begin to experience his blessing and goodness. Find joy in that. There's another part of this that you read in this passage of scripture is this idea not only are you finding joy in his word because it's really wonderful isn't when someone gives you their word and you know you can keep it it's a wonderful thing you kind of just you don't have to worry you know people and you give you you know you say would you do this and they say oh yeah i'll do it and then you're kind of always wondering are they really going to do it or not my wife lives with that quite a bit but anyway 
so here you have a person who gives his word and he can keep it to such a degree. Now you have to go and go, boy, is the, par- the character, the person who gives their word, can you really trust them? So he says, find not joy just in the promise, but find joy in the very person, the very character of the one who is worthy of trust. Even Ahaz, think about it, as rotten and self-indulgent of a king as he was, cared nothing for his people. Here's how incredible God is. Here's the character and person of God. As rotten as as a person like that is, he still comes to him, giving him another opportunity to experience his grace, his care, his provision, his love, because that is who God is. There's this crazy notion out there that God can't stand you or he's opposed to you. That God doesn't want to be with you. In fact, even more than that, God doesn't want to be for you. That, again, is crazy talk. God is so for you. What he's against is the sin. He's against the stuff that he sees in our heart. He is like the best parent in the world. Think of it, he's in a grandparent. You look at that little child and you just, you can't help but want to be for that child. You, you do what you can to help that child walk, to be successful. And when you see things that are going to cause that child pain or cause others pain, you try and step in and help, and, and, and help change the character. And God is the same way. He's not against you because he might be saying, you know, this, this, this is something that's not going to help you in your life. The way you're treating this person, the way you're manipulating, the way you're trying to get this. Maybe what you want isn't even wrong, but the way you go about it, it's just going to hurt people, it's going to hurt you. But I love you so much, and so I know the desires of your heart. And it may not even be what you see that you want here, but I will bring such fulfillment to you because I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. I am for you, he says to the nation of Israel. I want you to succeed, for the nation will again be great. You'll go through a time of struggle. There'll be some difficulty. There are consequences that you'll experience. But as you go through those, I want you to know that you will be great again. You'll be filled with joy like that of the reapers at the harvest time. You know, how excited they are. Or, or those who, who share the plunder over a victory. And then he goes to explain what that joy is like. It's because your chains that have bound you, the whips that have scourged you are being removed. You don't have, you don't have that voice over you going, you're rotten, you're no good, I can't, you know, you, you're never gonna measure up, God doesn't like you. That's removed, that's been broken because of his great love who is for you through the promises he makes through this child that comes at Christmas, Jesus. And it's the kind of joy, it's the kind of victory. You may be just like Gideon. Here's little Gideon, he's in this, he's, he, he has, some 30,000 of his own people come around him and he's supposed to lead against the Midianites. And the Midianites are out in the valley. You look out in the valley and it says they are so many that they, they, they're like locusts in the field. You can't even count them. And, and he says, Gideon, I don't need 30,000. I don't need 3,000. I, I can do it with 300. Really? He said, yeah, because when this gets done, all people are going to see that it was me, my character, the fact that I love you, I'm for you. When you come through the other side, the joy is going to be of, of not what you did, but what God did through you. And that can never be taken from you because that God, not only in his promise to his word, but his promise in his person, in his character, is true and good and will be faithful. That's the kind of joy he wants us to find. God is for you, fighting for you, even in your moments of greatest fear, when you lose joy. 
you can find joy. You can choose joy. You can live in joy. Because the joy is in God. And you are in God. And he has his hand on you. I said this last week, these verbs are past perfects when Isaiah gets here. He, he is not saying when you read verse 2 that the light will shine or that the light will dawn. It's really interesting. The verbs are past perfect. They're the idea that the light has shined, the dawn has risen. And you go, oh, so what's so important about that? It's as if Isaiah is speaking here because he was over here and he saw it all. He's basically saying, I'm on this side of the victory, guys. And so I'm going to speak to it not as it will happen. I'm going to speak to it because it has happened. It's kind of like John in the book of Revelation. You go through Revelation, and John has been transported in time, and he's looking, and he's going, Church, you might experience some really difficult times, and some of you already are. He was speaking to the church that was really under persecution in Rome. But guess what? Babylon, which is the name for Rome, will be defeated. I saw it. Live in that side of the victory. Find your joy in the promises in the person of God and live this side of the victory. I don't know what it is in your life. It may be an illness. It may be um, difficulty in a relationship. It may be that you're fearing um, what your job's going to be or who you're going to be, your identity. It could be all those things. And God is just saying, don't live under the oppression of this, you may have to trust me and hold me, but I want you to live on this side of it. There's joy there. I was going through this message, and I've been, I've been toying with how to say this and what to say, because it's kind of a tender subject. It's, it's, I want it to be more about me, because in this process, God has taught me a whole lot, but... There was a time in our church, and one of the things I love about our church is that as we've gone through difficulties, and we went through some time of difficulty a, a number of years back, and, and in that time, one of the things that was wonderful is that we thought, we, we decided to handle it with authenticity and openness before the congregation. We worked through this process, but there was a point at one point where there was a meeting, and the meeting occurred, and um, it just... I don't know how to say this except for there were some leaders that um, were voted out of a position, I'll just put it that way, and I, it was a Sunday, and I went home on that Monday just devastated. And I said, God, I'm, I'm, I give up. I'm, I'm ready to resign. And in, in this process, God was doing a whole lot of stuff in my heart. There's a lot of stuff he had to do in me. He's doing a lot of stuff in other people's hearts, but just my side of the story. And I remember sitting there, um, and it was like God said to me, um, you know, Kevin, if, if I want you to know this idea, it was kind of like, he, he didn't say the words for you, but he just kind of said, I want you to live in the victory. I want you to know that through this, I'm going to take care of you. I will, my will will be done. You will be in a good place. I didn't know what that meant, but he said, I want you to go up. Um, and you kind of say, how does God speak? God speaks in so many different ways. He speaks to ways that are unique to you, okay? He always speaks in, 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 in line with his word, okay? He doesn't ever contradict that. But he, he's a God who loves us, and he speaks to us. And so very personally, in the impressions of my heart, he said, go up and get a ring. I want you to wear this ring. So I go upstairs. I get this little ring. I only like to wear my wedding ring. I don't like to wear a bunch of other rings. I have some other rings. I picked up a ring. It was one of those smallest ones that people couldn't see, so I put it on. And I thought, okay, I'll wear it. And I, I 
I do what I do sometimes when I'm under stress and I decide I'll go for a run. I went for a run. As I'm going for a run, I'm thinking through this. I'm praying through this. I'm processing. As I'm processing, I get this impression. I didn't want this ring. I want the one that looks like the Super Bowl ring. I'm going, yeah, I don't want to wear that. It's just my class ring from high school, which is this big ring, honking ring. And somehow when I wear it, people notice even this morning, someone said, oh, wow, look at that ring. Um, and that was happening, and, and I was sharing with people. In fact, I was getting ready for one of our um, one of our times when Sarah Grove was coming, and I was meeting, having lunch with her and her husband. And she goes, "Whoa, what a ring!" And I shared with her. I just said, "Yeah, I, I'm just I'm trying." I, God has said to me, Kevin, if you're like a, if it was like a, a football contest, and it was like just a minute to go, and your team was down by two touchdowns. Anybody see that Maple Grove thing the other day? Down by like three touchdowns. You know, you're just like, oh, you're just right. You're just, you're just in the midst of it. And all of a sudden they win. And you're going, yes. God was saying to me, Kevin, I want you to live on this side of it. I want you to live on this side of it. I want you to live in the joy, in the knowledge of my presence, that I'm for you, that I love you, that I will never abandon you, that no matter what happens, I am with you. And I'm with this church and I'm with whatever God, I just... I remember that. So, oh, I got to get going. I got to speed the story up. Anyway, <laughs> there's so much to this. I, I wish I could. So at a certain point, God started using some numbers to get my attention. And I, I, there's more to this. But it was specifically the numbers 111. And I would see it at times when I'd be in fear. I'd be driving along and my phone would be over here. And all of a sudden, it would, for no reason that I know, my phone would pop up with 111 right in the midst of a time of fear. This kind of thing, things like that were happening. I'd look at the client and one, one, one. And, and as, a, as a result of that and praying and saying, God, what in the world are you trying to say to me? He just said, something's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it'll be definitive and it'll be done. And I'm in it. Well, in that whole process, as we were working with a consultant, we were trying to get the consultant to set the times. He had a surgery he had to do in October or something like that, so we couldn't do the meeting in November. We were starting as in August. You don't want to let these things go too long. But we ended up, because of Christmas and everything else, to do it like one of the first weeks in January. So we decided, let's do it on January 11th. We set the date where this consultant would come and deliver some recommendations that would be very, could very much change my own heart and life direction, things going on. But God said, live over here. And I want to tell you, it's really hard to live over here when you're living here, right? And uh, I went through this whole thing, and then I remember it was in November, went upstairs with to plan the service for that, that Sunday for the recommendations, and I walk up in the room, and, and Andrea and Joel, they remembered, some of you know Joel, that boisterous, like, kind of, well, let's plan the one 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 service. And it was like... January 11th, that's right, 1-1-1. And in an incredible way, God did something that has just catalyzed this body on that date. And um, I had no idea whether what the full result of it was, but God was saying, I am with you. I'm for you. It wasn't just saying about me, he's saying about you. I don't know how he speaks to you, but if you're open to him, he will speak to you. Because he loves you. And he wants you to find joy. Now I want to just say one last thing. You have the ability to give joy, to increase joy in others. You can be an Isaiah in the lives of people who are in the midst of that sorrow. And you can increase the joy of others in simple ways. 
by keeping your word and growing in your character. One of the ways I was thinking about it is just to show up this Christmas. Just, you know, Christmas is about God being present, coming and being with us. This Christmas, it may be you're sitting at the table. It may be as you're going through your work week at the office. Remember, um, you don't have to compartmentalize your life. God is here on Sundays with you on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. It may be that you're going through the week. Here's how you can show up. Just be really present with that person in front of you. That's a gift. People feel it. It actually increases their joy. They can be in difficult situations, but your presence, just listening, just being with them, is one of the ways that God comes around people. There's other ways you can show up. You can show up just by being on time. That that increases people's joy. Some of you might have had joy on the way to church if you would have just paid attention. No. Show up prepared. If you're serving in a situation, whether it's in a worship team or on a board or a different, just come prepared. It, it brings joy. At work, whatever it might be. And then, and then the other is just kind of like to do what you say you're going to do. Keep your word. When you say you'll take the garbage out, take it out. Or put the dishes away, put it away. Or you're going to pick up your socks, pick them up. It really could increase joy in your home. Grow up. We have a world of men today who are going, oh, I don't remember. I don't remember doing that. I'm going, come on. Grow up. So often, I just have to say this. When you say, I I forgot, and there's legitimate times you do, but often, I don't remember, I forgot, are really merely excuses for for not keeping your word. Don't let people, you know, get away with that. If you see that happening as a pattern, there is something wrong. And if you know that's happening in your life, one of the ways to truly increase the joy of others is to show up and just own up. You know what? I messed up. And not even I'm going to try and change. That always leaves the back door open. I will change. And when I fail, it's going to hit me hard because when it hits me hard, it makes me have to think even harder about how I really want to change and what am I going to do. So, I say all those things because I really believe Christmas can be a really incredibly hard and difficult time. And one of the things that can maybe help you find joy, I pray, a sustaining, abiding joy, is by recognizing the word of God and the promises he's made to you. And to live in those promises and then think of his person and his character. Not only is he with you in his word, but he's for you in what you're about. He's going to take and help you become who he wants you to be. And he wants you to live on this side. Step over to this side. Choose to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you.